Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, Commissioner of the Alabama Department of Corrections, Jeff Dunn. Also, the V-Team takes a look at active COVID cases. And Mike Hubbard is prisoner number one. One through a party in the county jail. No, it's not funny. But finally, justice will be served. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR, and Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire and my constant companion. Hello. Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, going good outside of beautiful downtown Atala. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. It is beautiful this time of year right here. Yeah, it, it is. is. It uh, is. You know, it's amazing that some of us have been reporting on Mike Hubbard's ne'er-do-well activities for years and almost a decade. And he he finally will now become Alabama's prisoner number one. He, he, he is the most famous prisoner that the state prison has probably ever had. And he deserves that distinction because he built the state of Alabama and people in this state out of millions of dollars betrayed public trust and just was an all-round nasty politician and nasty person decrepit too. human being in my estimation <laughs> no hard uh, feelings uh, but uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know you're right uh, and, and I think you know it's easy for people to to view somebody uh, you know with a suit and tie on especially a white person, uh, going to jail and feel some sympathy uh, for him. Now, I do feel some sympathy for his, for his family. Uh, but at the same time, uh, if, if I told you a teenager uh, around here stole $45 uh, from somebody, at, you know, however they went about it, and was going to have to go serve some jail time, I don't think there would be a whole lot of sympathy uh, for that person. And here we're talking about $2 million. Right, right. And you know, Susan, it wasn't that he needed the money. No. It wasn't that he 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 had to have it. He was worth some eight million, seven to eight million dollars. He and his wife were bringing down half a million, around a half a million dollars a year, and yet he still felt that he needed to cheat the system and cheat on the ethics laws so that he could make more money. I think a politician who's a crook is one of the most dangerous people in the world. And we tried to figure out why he needed this money so badly. He didn't seem to have any vices. There was, you know, no, like, he wasn't an alcoholic. There wasn't gambling involved. There wasn't other women involved. We looked for everything. It was just, I think, the the need of the power to be able to get people to give him that money. Yeah. yeah. I think it was more about the power. Yeah. It was the, it was the status of, of, of how he wanted to live and who he... Who he wanted to emulate and the, and those sorts of people and 
you know, it just, uh, it, it's, it was, it was kind of sickening, you know, really it, because you do have more sympathy or we should have more sympathy for the person who steals, even though stealing is wrong, but they, they're stealing to survive. This was not a stealing right. for survival situation. Right. This was a stealing for right. And let's not forget, it wasn't just that. He used his power to destroy people's lives, their jobs, their families, their children. It, wa it wasn't just that he stole. He also used his power to destroy. And that Un I, it's not unforgivable. And unfortunately, in I know, politics, because he tried that's to not us. illegal. That's, a, that's, a, that's all in a day's work. But I tell you what, most people think that he will get special treatment when he enters a prison. That as, as a prisoner, he will get special treatment. I can tell you, if he gets special treatment, it will be a travesty of justice. The judge, Jacob Walker III, uh, signed him to, sentence him to state prison. Not county jail, not halfway house, but state prison. And he should serve that state in state prison every day. You know, there's an inmate tracker on, on the web where you can find out where an inmate's located at all times. So I encourage people to keep track of where Mike Hubbard is over the next four years and see if our Department of Corrections lives up to its job of keeping prisoners in prison. But Josh, uh, we've got about two and a half minutes left here. I, I do want to go to one last thing. Uh, the Open Meetings Act is under attack. Okay. And it's by Alabama Supreme Court, the same Supreme Court that was like a Cirque du Soleil contortionist when they, they handled the law. And what happened was somebody recorded a public uh, a service commission meeting and they kicked him out. They said that was illegal. Uh, you know, most commissions in the state just broadcast their, their all their meetings, the ethics commission, the legislature, but not the public service commission. Yeah, no, they, the they, public they, service commission. The public service commission is not is having a problem uh, with their meetings being broadcast to the public. And you know, this was a hearing uh, about a, a rape matter uh, there before them, and uh, there were some people live streaming it because oddly, everybody in the state can't take off work and go down to a public service commission meeting, right, uh, right. and you know, and view the thing. And so they streamed it. Why wouldn't you stream it? Why couldn't right. you stream everything that right. happens that's public now? We have the ability to do this. It's not invasive in the least. Uh, you know, you stream it, you let people watch what's going on and, because it concerns the public at the Public and Service a, Commission. And it's a public hearing. Well, they said it wasn't. They said that Justice Will Sellers, okay. a, a former tax attorney, said that it wasn't, and the Supreme Court of Alabama agreed with him. I mean, one of the justices said, this could cause some problems for the Open Meeting Act, Josh. Yeah, this could, could cause, cause some, problems, some problems, but I'm going to vote for it anyway. Uh, you know, it's, that's right. Listen, it, it's it's a it's a really it's a travesty for for public information and what that public law is meant to do for people. And and they yeah. knew it full well going in. And all this is is to hide what's going on at that public service commission because if you don't hide it, then people are going to be outraged by what they see. I mean, we had people. We've had people at these meetings, and you know, I've never found anything that the people shouldn't know about, much less see. I mean, all you know, yeah, they really are. There's and, nobody at the door, you know, checking your name off a list that, that you're supposed to be involved. I mean, the thing is, and then, then the, the Public Service Commission came out and said, oh, we're doing everything we can to be transparent and accountable. 
Bronx cheer, right? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, and by that, they mean they're using your tax dollars to pay for attorneys to hide their meetings. That's what they do. There you go. Well, we're going to have to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, I will ensure that all Alabamians have the opportunity to participate in safe, secure, and fair elections. Due to the ongoing pandemic, anyone that wants to be an absentee voter should select the box on the application which reads, I have a physical illness or infirmity which prevents my attendance at the polls. After enclosing a copy of your valid photo ID and following the directions completely, your voice will be heard and your vote will be counted. Through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama. Activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at asdd.com. Today, we are at war with an invisible enemy. Not that long ago, families across Alabama helped America turn the tide in World War II. Some joined the front lines in combat, while others led the fight on the home front. Those sacrifices helped our nation win the war and go on to define the greatest generation. Now. We must answer today's call. By comparison, our sacrifice is small, but each of us can do our part. Mask up, Alabama. Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, pleasant game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is the commissioner of the Alabama Department of Corrections, Jeff Dunn. Welcome, Commissioner. Welcome. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Bill. It's uh, good to be with you. For decades, the legislature, uh, both Republican and Democrat, have uh, never been able to come to an agreement, for the most part, on building new prisons or where they should go. We've all watched the battles over the years, and now, finally, I think through the leadership uh, especially Governor Ivey, we're, we've got a plan to build the new facilities and we have some locations. Uh, I, I appreciate you joining us today. Can you give our viewers uh, an overview of why we need new facilities and why that's more, what, well, just new facilities and a location. Let's just stick with that first. Sorry. Well, I, I think, and I'm glad to, and, and thank you for the opportunity to be with you, but you know, Bill, you hit the nail on the head in your opening comment. For decades, we've been trying to solve this problem. And uh, we now have a governor who is willing to take this very difficult problem head on. She's made a commitment to solve it. 
and to do the right thing. And so uh, it is true. For decades, our prison system has been in decline. It's lacked resources. It's lacked, in some senses, a strategic direction. Uh, it's lacked the investment that's needed to create a safe, secure, and uh, rehabilitative environment. And so we wrote a plan, published it a little over a year ago, and it really focuses on four basic things that, that we think need to be done. And of those four things, the infrastructure issue uh, is, a, is a significant portion. We made the announcement yet last week that we are going to build three new regional facilities. And, and I can go into as much detail as we want to, but just a couple of important data points as we go forward. One, we haven't built a new facility in the state of Alabama since the mid 1990s. And most of them were built way before then. So our average age of facilities is over 40 years. Uh, we have currently right now over a billion dollars in deferred maintenance. And that number doubles every five years. So there's no way that we can renovate our way out of this problem. It just would be uh, exorbitant amounts of money. And at the end of that process, we would still have 1950s, 60s, and 70s designed facilities. And so they're antiquated, they're falling apart, and there's no way to, to renovate our way out of it. Plus, the environment, the conditions in our prisons right now uh, don't really contribute to the mission and the vision that we have for the department. Our vision is very simple. We want to be safe, secure for the state of Alabama, for our employees, and for the inmates that, uh, that live there. And then we want to be able to provide the resources necessary to help those inmates who are making a commitment to change their life so that when they get out, and ultimately 95% of them will get out at some point in time, that they're prepared to re-enter society as a productive citizen. Right. So it's really very simple. But our infrastructure right now simply will not support uh, that type of mission. And so I think the, the governor has been very bold and, uh, and aggressive and thoughtful about the plan that we have for these three new regional facilities. Well, I mean, Susan and I have toured three correctional facilities in Alabama, and uh, two of them, you, you, you took us on those tours. And anyone who's been in those facilities understands, without a doubt, that they are beyond repair. And the federal courts have ruled against the prisons uh, that there are significant problems. And how would these address the long-standing problems that the, uh, the Department of Justice and, and, and the courts have said uh, that we need to address? Right. Now, that's a great question. And, and I think when I think about that, what I think of is basically three words, safer, smarter, and sustainable. That's what we have not been for the last many, many years. So what, what do I mean by that? These prisons are going to be much safer. They're going to be designed as maximum security prisons to enable us to uh, properly supervise and manage the violent population that we have. Our system right now is predominantly dormitory style, and it is just not equipped and suited to handle inmates that have the violent histories that the majority of our inmates have right now. So we'll wow. have much more cells than we have dorms. We'll be able to separate inmates more effectively. Uh, we'll be able to provide a safer environment for our correctional officers. 
And incidentally, and, and we weren't clever enough to think about this, but that additional cells also will enable us to address issues surrounding global pandemics right, because we'll be right. able to do more social distancing. You can't do that in a dorm of 100 or 150 men that are living right. 36 inches apart from one another. It's right. virtually impossible. So they're going to be safer. They're going to be safer in the sense that, that we need more program space. It's like what we have is a one-room schoolhouse when what we need is a K through 12 educational institution. And right. so we're going to increase the programming space. What do I mean by that? I mean, more education space, more treatment space for those with substance abuse or mental health uh, issues that need to be addressed. And really critically, more vocational and technical training space so that when these inmates leave our system, they have a marketable skill that they can move into the job market and provide for them and their, their families. So that's what I mean when I say safer. Um, right. When I say smarter, corrections has come a long way in the last 20 or 30, 40 years since we built the prison. The technology is there. Uh, the ability to design how we want it from the ground up. We all know it's easier if you're building a house to design at the beginning uh, what all you want in that house instead of having to add it on later. Uh, it just costs more if that's what you're doing. And so we can put all of these things in there at the beginning. Uh, it's a more cost-effective model. Uh, these prisons will be more efficient. They won't require the same level of staffing because of technology, because of surveillance technology and electronics and those types of things. And it'll help us eliminate this $1 billion in deferred maintenance. And then lastly, I would say they're sustainable in the sense that they're going to be built to national prison standards, which our previous ones were not. Uh, they're going to be built for a 50-year life cycle. So they're going to be built with prison-grade, hardened structures that will guarantee to last for 50 years. And then one of the key points of this whole thing is that from day one, they're going to be maintained properly, which right. in, I know you have the experience of walking in our prisons and see right. we have not maintained these prisons and not put those resources. So safer, smarter, and sustainable is kind of the the keys to what we think is going to move us forward with these new facilities. Well, I know there will be challenges along the way. There always are, but we have spent hours with you looking over the plan and touring the facilities. And we spent a lot of time with the governor's staff going through this. Uh, we appreciate your hard work and for joining us today. Come back when we, we're moving this process a little bit further forward. Will you do we that? We absolutely will. Thank you very Thank much. Y'all have a great day. Look, looking forward to it. Thank you. Our special guest today has been Jeff Dunn, Commissioner of the Alabama Department of Corrections. We'll be right back with more news and analysis. guys do a little fishing of course none of us will be wearing our seat belts I'll lose control of the truck wrap it around a tree and kill us all okay 
Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm John Merrill. As we prepare for the general election during the pandemic, it is important for Alabamians to step up and become poll workers. Poll workers are paid officials who protect the rights of registered voters at the polls. Contact your probate judge to learn more or apply online at alabamavotes.gov. If you're 16 or older and enrolled in high school or college, you can apply to become a student poll worker by contacting your probate judge or our office. We'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You know, Commissioner Dunn has done a good job of explaining the need for the prisons. Uh, Susan, you and I have looked at the plans extensively. But <clears throat> as with anything in politics, I mean, for decades, the politicians, Josh and Susan, we know this, have avoided making any tough calls on prisons. Governor Kay Ivey made a tough call. She said, we're going to build these three prisons. I think they'll announce that there's going to be a, a, a women's prison in the next year or so. I think they're going to do this. But the usual suspects have come out and they said, oh, this is terrible. Governor Kay Ivey's a dictator. She's just awful. And, 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 you know, who is one of the main cheerleaders is the chief troll under the bridge, Jim. Excuse me. I've never found a subject that couldn't dissuade me from being on subject. I'm telling you, if the guy got caught on a porn, on, on like one of those porn sites, he would go, well, I was on there researching, you know, I mean, yeah, and I'm really against it. That's that's Jim Ziegler, uh, you know, yeah. and, and he is, uh, he's made a career out of out of turning himself into a, a, essentially a living internet troll. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it, listen, you find a niche in life and you go with it, I guess, you know, and that's his, that's his niche in life. Uh, so, you know, to oppose things, he never has a plan of his own to do anything, uh, but, you know, he can, he attacks everybody else's plans. Well, my cats have more common sense than Jim Ziegler has, and he knows nothing about prisons. So he needs to just stay home, keep his mouth shut, and do the job that he was hired by the people to do. Which is very little, Susan. Yeah, very little, and it doesn't involve anything to do with prison except for counting chairs. Right. Yeah, right. you know. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I, I yeah. guarantee you he's never stepped foot in the parking lot of one of these prisons. No, no. We've been through three, and I know we keep emphasizing that, but anybody who opens their mouth about this prison plan, I want to know, have you been? And well, I'm going to be asking that question. Have you toured at least one prison? I mean, one of the big things that Ziegler has tried over the years is to remain out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> the say, only guy we know that had a statute. Time, you know. What's that, Josh? I said he's come close to setting foot in a few. But. Yeah, I mean, I wish he'd release the, the records from the Bar Association when they forced him to hand in his... Is, is, oh, is, he, he, doesn't, he, he didn't want to practice anymore. Oh, he, he retired. He, he, you know, he, 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 he didn't want to play those speeches anymore. But, you know, he there is a status in Alabama that says, I'm not practicing anymore. I don't have to pay any fees. I'm just inactive. But, no, he turned his license If over. he doesn't get elected to another position in two years, he won't have a job. I mean, he'd make a great janitor down at the coast, uh, you know, raking the leaves or something off the beach. But that's about it. Anyway, Jim is just a worthless 
person in government who stirs up things. I, you know, we had some people this week come out and say, oh, uh, uh, well, you know, we weren't in the legislature to, to make these decisions. We want a chance to make. Yes, they were. They've been there two years. They haven't said a word in two years, Josh. So Cam Ward was on uh, Jeff Poor's show, which is about the only talk show worth listening to. Jeff does a good job. But he said, look, we wouldn't do anything. He's, you know, Cam presented bills. Uh, there have been bills, but they never could get them passed. And now they're saying, oh, we never had a chance. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they did. And, you know, and I, you know I'm, I'm torn on this because I don't like the plan. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, because I think that it doesn't, my biggest problem is, is yes, yes, we do need, we do need some new facilities, but at the same time, we need much more than that. And, and we need a, a better guiding principle than what we have out of this thing. But uh, the legislature has done none of that. So, you know, if you're going to govern, govern, you know, if you're not, then stay out of the way or at least help other people make, you know, make some decisions. You know, I, I can't knock Cam at all. Cam's done everything he can. Uh, here to, to help us with our overcrowding problem, to help us with, you know, sentencing reform and everything else. But, you know, there are a lot of other people there that have just sat on their hands or been obstacles to, to some kind of reform uh, for our prisons. And, and now they're talking and like they've done something. Right. Well, Susan, how many lawmakers do you think have contacted Governor Ivey's office and proposed a new plan for a special session or the upcoming legislative session? Zero. Big fat goose egg. Not one, Josh, not one. And the reason is they don't want this hot potato. They want Governor Kay Ivey to do it so that she takes the blame. Yeah, and, and they want to have the deniability that comes, you know, when, whenever they yeah. have some town halls in the next couple of years to say, that, oh, I was, I was against it. You know, I didn't want to do that, but yeah. what can we do? And, and, and that's why it's like, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a plan, not saying, oh, we can do a bond issue. Of course you can, but you're not gonna get the legislature to do a bond issue for prisons. It's too unpopular. Kay Ivey is doing the unpopular stuff that governor after governor after governor has failed to do. I wanna move on. We only got about a minute left on this, but I think it's important. People think that things are getting better in Alabama with the COVID-19 virus. We are still eighth in the United States for infections. Mm -hmm. Eighth out of 50 states and Washington, D.C. That's not doing better, Josh. No, and we're barely <laughs> testing outside of colleges. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it, we're, the, the test, the, the positivity rate is through the roof. Uh, because right. you know, basically the only people going are the people who are feeling sick. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, I, I don't know what to say to people anymore, man. I, I mean, you know, you, I mean, we're having memorials all over the place, uh, you know, on Friday for, for 9-11, you know, when 3,000 or you know, 4,000 people died. And, and rightfully so, we've got 200,000 people dead out, out of this thing. And, and it's, people are screaming it's a hoax and, and you know, and uh, the government yeah. trying to control yeah. their lives by telling you to wear a mask and stay away from everybody. Right. Even I heard I heard that uh, Mike McCutcheon, uh, Speaker of the House, Mike McCutcheon, was at an event the other day without a mask. Yeah. And yeah. he's a leader in the state. Hey, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, the thing is, you know, you cannot you cannot do anything with dumb people. No. You just really can't. No. And, and All right. You're right. It's you know, and 
and stupidity seems to be sort of an immunity to the disease. (laughs) That's going to be the last word. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.